good morning, everyone. It's good to see... Hi, Dave. <laughs> it's good to see everyone here this morning, and I just want to say, whether you're joining us in person or online this morning, I'm just really glad that we've chosen to worship together. Uh, you know, it seems like we're at the halfway point of the summer, and uh, I know, I know, uh, you're a teacher. Um, and and uh, I don't really want to be wishing the summer away because I'm really enjoying the summer. And so I'm, if I'm going to wish anything, I'm going to extend it. But that said, we've got some uh, really good stuff coming up this fall. And so I wanted to start just, you know, let you know that over the next couple of weeks, we're going to start giving you things to look forward to as we might eventually at some point at some time, whether we deny its reality or not, there's a change in seasons coming, and, uh, but we've got some good stuff. And so the first thing I want to highlight is that in September, on September 9th, it is our corn roast. And our corn roast is one of the big things that I love about you know, who we are and expresses who we are and what we are about so well as a church community. It's September the 9th this year. Our rain dates on September 10th in case we need, need it, but hopefully we won't. And uh, this is just a great opportunity to connect with each other. Really, it's just an excuse to hang out, to build relationships, whether you've attended West Heights for a long time or a short period of time, it's a good opportunity just to come and to be with one another. And if you are newer to our West Heights community, I really would encourage you to come because events like these are where you get to know people and have an opportunity to have conversations that go beyond what you're able to in a couple minutes in the foyer. And so uh, corn roast, September 9th, uh, how this works is we will provide corn, we'll provide hot dogs and, and, and hamburgers, and we ask that you contribute uh, to the meal for you and your family, that you would bring side dishes, whether it's a salad or chips or drinks and dessert, you'd bring what your family needs to augment the hamburgers, hot dogs, and, bu and butter, I was going to say, but there is butter. We provide a big vat of butter that we literally, in front of you, dip the corn into and bring it back out. It's very baptizing it in the butter. It's very <laughs> wonderful. I'm going to get in trouble for that one by somebody, aren't I? Uh, also bring a lawn chair or a blanket to sit on and uh, plates, cutlery, and all that fun stuff. Um, doors open at, at 1, and, but, and we eat promptly at 1.30, and we just hang out. It's a lot of fun. Great property, good place for us to be. Um, hope that you, you will get that date on the calendar. And uh, as a little bit of a promo, if you haven't signed up for our email newsletters, we do that. That's one of the best ways for us to be able to get information out to you about what's going on, and uh, details will always be in those emails for you. Uh, before we get into our teaching time this morning, I just invite you to join me for a quick word of prayer. Lord Jesus, we are just grateful that we have been able to gather here this morning, uh, whether it's in person or we're gathering virtually. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to worship with one another as a part of a church family. And Lord, as it's part of summer and we know people are out and on vacations and doing things with family and friends, Lord, we just pray for your blessing to be upon those who aren't gathered with us this morning, that they would experience your presence and your love and that you would bring restoration and rejuvenation to their bodies, their minds, and their souls. Lord, indeed, that is the prayer for all of us this morning, Lord, that in this season where things are a little bit quieter, Lord, we are looking just to have a bit of rest. And so, Lord, would this time together be a part of you breathing your life into us this morning. And so God, as we turn our attention to our teaching time, we ask that you would just give us ears to hear the little things that you want us to be paying attention to. And uh, Lord, we just anticipate you speaking to us this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. 
So this week, I was watching a few Blue Jays games over the course of the week, and uh, it was not the best moments of my life, because if you're following the Blue Jays, they're very up and down these days. And there they are, and they're playing a team that's ahead of them in the standings, uh, ahead of them in the division, ahead of them in the standings, and I'm thinking, great, this is an opportunity for them to make up some ground. But they just couldn't do it. Like, repeatedly, as I'm watching them do this, I'm like, they can do it. They're about ready to win this game. No, no, they lost. Somehow they found a way to lost. A couple nights in a row, I'm watching it, and every time I put, the, put my phone down, because I'm watching it on my phone, I put my phone down afterwards, I'm like, I'm so angry. Like, like, but what just happened? I'm not just frustrated. I'm like, actually angry about the result here. Now, I'll name it up front. My emotional response to what happens to a Blue Jays game does need to cause, should cause me to rethink my priorities. I'm going to name that. Some of you are thinking, this is what's wrong with sports. And you're not completely wrong. That said, I'm going to invite you to turn the mirror around and look at yourself for a moment. Because we all have things that get us worked up and angry that other people might say, hmm, that's a little bit weird, don't you think? Like, you know, when the menu changes at our favorite restaurant and we're suddenly outraged, or when we find a plot hole in a movie or a book that we really, we really liked, or when somebody is driving in front of us really slowly and we feel like we don't have the time to wait. We all have things that in the grand scheme of things can get us worked up and feeling angry that are really rather silly. But then there's other things that get us worked up and angry that are completely legitimate, aren't there? Like when we lose our job and it feels like it was just completely unfair and out of the blue. Or when we watch somebody we love get treated unfairly. Or when we consider the state of world events. There's plenty, if you look at the news, to get ourselves worked up about and say, that, that makes me angry. And I don't think we can be faulted for those feelings of anger because there's some truly bad things that are happening. This morning... We're talking about anger as we work our way through uh, this series on the, on the book of Proverbs. And the reality is anger is a part of life. It's something that we feel daily, regularly, about big things, about little things, about things that we would say are silly and things that we would say are legitimate. Sometimes our, our, our reactions of anger are, are completely appropriate, and other times they're just, just completely, uh, you know, they aren't worth the energy we put into it. And you know what, in some cases, anger is, is good. It's not all bad. I mean, anger can be a positive force that, that helps us stand up for ourselves and, and can and motivate us to find creative solutions to the challenges that we might face. You know, anger can motivate us to solve problems. Anger can move us to seek justice. We see something that's not right. We feel that building up inside of us, and it can move us to actually try to find a, a solution or to, or to push on something to make that injustice right again. Surprisingly, anger can trigger optimism, even. You know, it can encourage us to focus on what we hope to achieve rather than just get stuck and focusing on the pain or the insult or the victimization that we might have experienced. It can help us look beyond what we hope will come about rather than just be stuck in our present. But we also know that anger, if left unchecked, can have a negative impact on our lives as well, too, right? Like uncontrolled anger uh, can have a significant impact on our physical health. Blood pressure, headaches, muscle tension, just to name a few things. It can, have a, it can wear us down mentally and emotionally. It can have a, play a, it can have a toll on our lives in that area, those areas of life. And it can have a negative impact on our relationships if we're not careful. In short, while there are some positive things about anger, and there are, there are some, 
And in, in, in other cases, we have to actually be careful and be reflective on what is causing us to be anger and what is our response of anger really doing in us and maybe motivating us to do. And so I think it's worth us spending some time reflecting on our relationship with anger and what the book of Proverbs can help and how the book of Proverbs can help us out with this. And really, when the book of Proverbs is looking at anger, it's not looking at those really justified, like, you know, you are, you are feeling justified to right or wrong. It's actually talking more about those angry impulses that threaten to control our lives and take us down. And so our big idea this morning is that we need to learn to control our anger before it controls us. And a great place for us to start is to begin by recognizing that we need to understand the risks associated with our anger. We need to understand the risk because, you know what, anger is a powerful emotion that can lead us to some not good places if we aren't careful. For instance, our anger can lead to regrets. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 17 says, a quick-tempered person does foolish things. Hmm. Somebody who gets quick angry does foolish things. You know, in general, someone who gets angry easily might find that their anger leads them into some things that they are going to later regret. You know, when our tempers get the best of us, we might find that we do or say things that later we wish that we hadn't. You know, an angry word that comes just quickly might cause harm to a loved one or it might get us in hot water that we have to deal with later. A few verses later, we read this, whoever is patient has great understanding, but one who is quick-tempered displays folly. Here we have a contrast with being quick-tempered or easily angered and being patient. These two things are contrasted with one another. And patience or being slow to anger, it results in something good, whereas we see regret as the result of a quick temper. And add to this, in this proverb, the fact that, that these outbursts, these, these outbursts that are angry are on display for other people to see. And that actually might be the thing that we regret, and that leads us to something else that maybe we should keep in mind. That our, angry, our anger can negatively impact how other people see us. You know, fools give full vent to their rage. The idea here is simple. You know, blowing our top and, and allowing anger to flow just unbridled from us can make us look foolish, can make us look silly in the eyes of others. Just think for a moment about your own response when you have witnessed somebody angrily yelling or, or making a scene somewhere, or when you've witnessed a family member having a tantrum. What, what kind of thoughts go through your mind? I don't think we generally find ourselves thinking, man, I really respect them right now. Usually we have opposite sort of thoughts. We're like, I think I'm kind of thinking less of that person. Well, there's nothing wrong with feeling angry. We need to be aware that how we express our anger, it really matters. And our reputation, that's how other people see us, is something that can be damaged if we don't learn to control our anger. Now, here's something else that we should keep in mind as we're talking about risks. Our anger may not be the solution that we hope it will be. You know, when we're upset, at least when I'm upset, what, what I, I find myself thinking is, you know what will fix the solution? What I just really need to do right now is I need to have an angry outburst because that'll fix this problem, right? Like, if I just yell at my kids right now, that behavioral part problem will just magically disappear. But what's more likely to happen as a result? Does that fix things? No. Usually it makes things worse. It can create new problems, 
You know, our anger is rarely the solution that we think it's going to be. Proverbs 15 says, A hot-tempered person stirs up conflict, but the one who is patient calms a quarrel. Again, we see this contrast here uh, with us being invited to see that being easily angered does, you know, likely causes more problems than it solves. And not only that, but our anger may result in consequences. Proverbs 22, whoever sows injustice reaps calamity, and the rod they wield in fury will be broken. You know, what's interesting about the book of Proverbs is that it, often we read a proverb and we can see that there's two uh, ideas that are sort, of, are sort of related, but they are used, they are combined together to make a singular point. In this case, we have two ideas here. And the first idea is that there are consequences for those who are about injustice. And the, and the imagery here is a farmer sowing seed. And then, changing metaphors, we move from a farmer sowing seed to a shepherd with a rod or a staff. And we get, get this idea that what happens when somebody lashes out in anger with this rod being broken. You know, this proverb is, is intended to remind us that anger is not an excuse. And in fact, there might be consequences to our actions. There are natural consequences, such as broken relationships or isolation. And there might be punitive consequences, such as a loss of employment or legal issues. And then in the background of Proverbs, there's also this idea that there, are, there, there may be consequences in terms of what flows from our relationship with God. That God is the one who is ultimately just and, and, and will, you know, will hold people accountable for their actions. And so all of this is to kind of say that we need to recognize that there, is, there are risks. We need to realize that there are risks associated with anger. And that maybe we need to keep these in mind as we determine what is our relationship with this emotion that has so much power. A few weeks ago, I was driving on the expressway. I was taking our kids uh, to one of their summer day camps. And uh, as I was driving, I realized that there was this person behind me honking their horn. They were just honking their horn. And then all of a sudden, they quickly changed lanes and they came up beside me and they stared me down and they gave me that finger. And then just quickly, they, they cut over three other lanes and got off the highway. And all that happened in a split second. And I'm guessing it's because I wasn't going quite as fast as they wanted to. And uh, the kids noticed all of this, of course. And we had a very nice conversation about what that particular finger meant. Thanks, buddy. And why that man might have been so angry. It's great when you have kids in the car for moments like that because it, uh, it, reminds, you to not, it reminds you to be careful. Now, my default, and maybe this is some of yours too, is, is to respond to anger with anger. And in an instance like this, while I wouldn't have been able to do much if physically in relationship to this individual, they were in a car and it all happened just like this, I went away from that instance thinking about the things I would have said or I would have done if I had the opportunity to respond to that person. And I'll be honest, few of them are, very, are nice. And so all this is to say is that we need to understand how to respond to the anger of others. That's a part of how we think about and how we think about our relationship to anger is that we need to, we need to understand how to respond to the anger of others. And so with this in mind, Proverbs invites us to think about how we can respond to anger with gentleness. Now what would have happened if I'd had the opportunity to actually meet the angry man in the, in, from the expressway and I had responded to his anger with more anger? What would have happened? Well, the chances are really good that I would have made an already volatile situation worse. 
But what if my interactions with him didn't start with me being angry or me aggressively defending myself? What if it started a different way? Proverbs 15 says, A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Again, we remember that Proverbs are not principles and they're not guarantees. You know, sometimes gentleness doesn't automatically diffuse an angry situation. But in general, we would acknowledge that if we actually hope to diffuse a volatile situation, then saying something harsh isn't going to help things, is it? And more often than not, it's going to make it worse. Rather, we need to learn, how to de- we need to learn and develop skills of engagement that, that include empathy and understanding and patience and gentleness. And if we develop these skills, we are more likely to be able to soothe volatile situations. And so when we face a situation like this, we ought to take a breath and, and to say to ourselves, what can I say that comes across as gentle and not as aggressive? Now, as, a, as an aside, one of the things that we're working on for this fall is a, is a teaching series that is actually about developing skills and, that can help us navigate and engage conflict, division, and the polarization that we are all experiencing. And we're going to be working through a really amazing a, a resource that's produced by MCC this fall. And we're really excited about this because we think that this will help us grow in what does it mean to engage in our everyday relationships and the relationships that exist within society that are tense. How can we engage them in a peaceful way? And so we're excited about that, and we invite you to stay tuned for, for that and some of the activities that are, 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 the events that are planned around that. Now, while we ought to be looking for ways to help diffuse situations, we also need to recognize that from time to time, that a right response is to actually allow a loved one to face the consequences of their actions. Proverbs 19 says, a hot-tempered person must pay the penalty Rescue them, and you're going to have to do it again. You know, the effort to change somebody who has a, a hot temper or who has an anger problem, that's, a, that's ch- challenging. That's hard work. And for there to be any hope of success, a person must be willing to accept the responsibility of their actions. But when it comes to the people that we love, the temptation is that we want to rush in and we want to try to fix or to justify the problem. We want to go in there and make it not quite as bad as it is. And we can convince ourselves that what we are doing is actually loving. But it isn't. You know, without having to deal with the consequences of our actions, we don't learn. And so what we should do, what we can do, is is choose to be there with them and to support them, but fixing it isn't helpful. And if we rush in to fix it for them, this proverb reminds us that what's going to end up happening is we're going to have to go in there and fix it again and again and again because they'll never have to deal with the consequences of their actions. Now, another thing that we ought to keep in mind is that it, it, in fact, is really healthy to have boundaries with an angry person. Proverbs 22 says, Do not make friends with a hot-tempered person. Do not associate with one easily angered, or you may learn their ways and get yourself ensnared. You know, this this proverb reminds us that it is sometimes wise to limit our association with with somebody who, who seems to be controlled by anger. It's sometimes just wise to limit our, 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 our association with these folks. 
And a relationship like a friendship, that's a really special relationship. It is a relationship that has such influence and power in our lives. But when one of the parties is somebody who is easily controlled by anger, that friendship has, can go from being, having good potential for good to being something that has the potential to be tremendously damaging. You know, the hurtful words and actions of a friend can stick to us. The hurtful words and actions of of somebody who is in a close relationship to us can stick to us and cause long-lasting damage beyond that moment in time in ways that far exceeds those, you know, harsh words of of just some random person that we bumped into in the street. Now, this proverb takes it further to suggest that we need to be careful of our association with, with a person like this so that it doesn't rub off on us so that we don't start to become like them. And I think the thought here is that in time, those that we allow into those close places of our lives, whether it be friends or a partner or uh, family members, when we let people in, they start to have an influence in who we are and to start to shape us. And we can start acting like these people. And so Proverbs is saying, be careful not to allow somebody in too close to you who is struggling with an anger problem because that might end up being you. You might get ensnared and taken down with it. And so it is wise to, to, to learn what it, what it looks like, to explore what does it look like to, uh, to define healthy boundaries for our own well-being. It's not wrong for us to be choosy about who our friends are. It is not wrong for us to be choosy about who we allow to have influence over us because these people have the ability to have a say in who we are and who we're becoming. And so we need to be choosy so that we, these are people that we trust to take care of us and that their influence won't lead us astray. And sometimes this will res- result in defining how much time do we spend with somebody. Other times, it, it, might, it might include learning how to excuse ourselves when, when somebody is about ready to have an outburst, to let ourselves out, of the, get ourselves out of that situation. Or maybe it is even coming to the tough decision that, for now, we can't be in contact with them. Indeed, these type of boundaries are a part of how we allow others to deal with the consequences of their actions in hopes that they will be moved to pursue change that they will see the error of their ways and pursue change. Now, have you ever surprised yourself by how angry you got in a situation? This, I'm not going to share a story here because I feel like it's incriminating, but you all have one of these stories, I'm sure, right? One of those moments where suddenly you realize you're slamming a door or you're, you're, you're yelling completely irrationally or you're giving somebody the cold shoulder and you're, like, you're doing the passive-aggressive thing, And then somewhere in that, we might have a moment where we kind of wake up and we say to ourselves, what am I doing? Like, I don't like how I'm acting here. Well, our last lesson that we're going to explore here is that we need to discover how to relate to our own anger. We've talked about others, we've talked about the risks, but how do we relate to our own anger? And so we need to first recognize that our, our anger is not always productive, Yeah, there are some good things that anger can bring about in us, like seeking solutions or pursuing justice, but it's not always productive, and we know that, don't we? Because more often than not, what comes to mind when we think about our anger are not, you know, are those moments when we realize that wasn't the best version of ourselves. Those moments where we realize that we have regrets. 
Proverbs 30, verse 33, quite possibly the best proverb that I'm going to read out loud today, says this, As the beating of cream yields butter, and the striking of the nose causes bleeding. Seriously, the imagery is fantastic. So stirring up anger causes quarrels. There you go. As beating, the beating of cream yields butter, and striking the nose causes bleeding, so stirring up anger causes quarrels. You know, when we allow anger to settle in and to begin to control us, the results will not be good. And so realizing this, we need to name the fact that our, our anger is often the enemy of what we really want. And that leads us to our next point, that we need to recognize that exercising patience and grace will get us further ahead. You know, sensible people control their, temp- their tempers, says in Proverbs 19. They earn respect by overlooking wrongs. You know, as we look at Proverbs, we, we notice that there's this ideal being set forward that we're, that we're invited to pursue. It's called wisdom, and in this translation, it's called being a sensible person. And this is in contrast with this idea of foolishness or being foolish. And the idea is that we want to be successful in life, that we, would, we should want to pursue wisdom so that we can know how do we achieve the things that we want. And the, the Proverbs, the book of Proverbs, is presenting a view of what wisdom looks like from God's point of view. And within this particular proverb, we are invited to see that if we want to be wise, if we want to be a sensible person, then we need to, need to learn to include two things in who we are. The first is to learn how to practice patience. And in regards to this a conversation about anger, this means learning to control our tempers so that our gut reaction isn't allowed to just blow our stack whenever something rubs us the wrong way, but it's learning to take a, a deep breath to slow things down so that we don't have to react, but what we are doing is we're creating space to contemplate a, another response to the situation that we might be facing. The second thing that this proverb points us to is to practice forgiveness. This proverb says, the wise, the sensible person, overlooks wrongs. Now, whenever we talk about forgiveness, we don't mean to say that we should turn a blind eye to things that are obviously not right. As we've discussed, that isn't healthy. But sometimes I think that we can be rather quick to be offended. We choose to be offended, or we choose to hold a grudge. This proverb reminds us that, that forgiveness is a better way. Not just for the other person, but it's better for us. Bitterness, holding a grudge, and anger are all things that are corrosive to our souls, or they can be corrosive to our souls, uh, even if it's well-deserved. If we hold on to these things for too long, they will eat away at us. But when we do the hard work of forgiving someone, it does something in us that brings about healing and wholeness. It moves us towards the life that we want for ourselves, and really the life that we want for others. Now, the last thing I'm going to say on this point is that we ought to recognize that understanding can transform our anger. Understanding can transform our anger. Proverbs 17, the one who has knowledge uses words with restraint, and whoever has understanding is even-tempered. This proverb connects being even-tempered or not being easily angered with understanding and restraint with knowledge. 
You know, as we consider our relationship with anger, we would be wise to recognize that so often a greater level of understanding might help us respond better to the people and to the situations that are making us upset and making us angry. In fact, a little bit of understanding can transform our anger at someone into empathy for someone. You know, last week, I kind of wish that we'd included this point in our conversation last week about family, and so I'm bringing it back. Last week, I, 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 as we talked about having a relationship with our parents, we were talking about how do we honor uh, our parents who've caused us harm or caused us injury, and we've just named the reality that that can be hard. hard. But this is where a little bit of understanding can really help us. You know, if we are willing to look at their story and to examine what it is that they experience, we might discover that, that their relationship with us has been shaped by their experience and their, their circumstances and their own families of origin. And you know what? None of that equipped them to be good parents. And so maybe as we learn more, we realize that they were really trying their best. It wasn't perfect, but they were trying their best. Now, does that make it okay for some of the pains and hurts that we experience? No, but that level of understanding can help us trade our anger for empathy. We might still need boundaries, but we can be freed from the burden of our anger, the anger that we feel for them, because we're now able to see them as human beings who, who likewise have experienced hardship. Or how about this? This is a little bit lighter. Ever had those moments where you're standing in the grocery store and the person in front of you in the checkout is price matching every item? This happened on uh, this last week when I was doing my groceries. The person in front of me, large cart, was price matching everything, and the person behind me was really grumbling about it until their spouse put their hand on their arm and just reminded them gently that groceries are expensive and that people are having a hard time these days. And that brief interaction transform that moment. That level of understanding brought about empathy and calm to that situation. A little bit of understanding can help transform our anger. And not only can that help us learn how to relate to others, but I think it can help us understand how understand ourselves too. In fact, I would encourage us to become curious about our anger and to explore what's really going on in those moments when we lose our cool. Because I think when we dig in, we might find insecurity, we might find anxiousness, we might find fear and selfless, selfishness, we might even find lust. You know, really, anger is a symptom of something more. And so to dig in is a good thing. To dig in on our own, to dig in with somebody that we trust, to sit down and have a few sessions with a counselor, but to dig in with curiosity to explore, to understand ourselves and our responses, that can really help and can, take, and can help us turn things around and move life in the direction that we want to go, not get stuck in the place that we are. Now, as we reflect on this theme of anger, you might be like me and be, find yourself thinking, man, I could be doing a whole lot better. Um, I got a lot of work to do. And if those are the thoughts going through your mind this morning, I want to say good for you, and I appreciate you and the honesty that you are showing yourself in saying that. The good news is, is that for those of us who are followers of Jesus, what Jesus wants to do in our lives is he wants to replace things like anger that can easily control us and can easily suck the life out of us with good things that come from him. 
That is a part of the journey that we are on with Jesus as the Holy Spirit comes and fills us and over time grows new and better things that are life-giving. The Apostle Paul describes it as this, the fruit of the Spirit, the things that the Spirit grows in us are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And so as we reflect on our relationship with, with anger and, and, other, and other things that maybe we aren't happy with about ourselves, I would encourage us to be praying and asking God through the Holy Spirit to be growing these things and replacing those other things like anger and bitterness and replacing it with these fruit. And in doing so, we are opening ourselves up to what Jesus wants to grow in us and what the Spirit wants to do. And I do think that that includes replacing the destru- our destructive anger with something better. Please join me in prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you for today and for the opportunity to gather and to, to worship and to reflect on you and what you want to do in our lives, Lord. God, we acknowledge that this emotion of anger... Um, can have some good things, can, do, can bring about some good things in us and can motivate us to do some, some great things. But Lord, more often than not, it seems to be holding us back. Lord, we easily see the ways in which it is getting in the way of our relationships with the people we love, the ways in which it is damaging, has damaged opportunities, the ways in which we are filled with regret and wish things would be different. And so, Lord, this morning as we uh, gathered, we are opening ourselves up to you saying, Lord Jesus, would you come into our lives in, in new and fresh ways this week? Would you help us to be open to what the Holy Spirit wants to grow in our lives, Lord? And would you help us to do the hard work of learning to forgive, learning to, to take a deep breath, or the hard work of being curious with ourselves and curious with others, Lord, so that we might understand just a little bit more. And God, in all of this, would you give us the ability to see how you are at work in our story, Lord, how you are, what you are doing in our lives and in the lives of others. Lord, we're grateful for the fact that you are a God who is active, and Lord, we just want to be a part of that. In your name we pray, amen.